Exact Nature's all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you lighten the load in recovery, be it with addictive cravings, depression and anxiety, or improving sleep. Founded and run by a father-son team, both in recovery, this issue is personal for them. Learn more at exactnature.com, and as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive a 20% discount at purchase. Again, TSD20 at exactnature.com. This is not just like, oh, well, that's just me. Fuck it. Let's continue drinking. It's like, no, why do you feel that way? Yeah. Or why? And it goes back to ego work, too. It's like, well, why do you feel like you can control it when all that happens is you just keep going back to the same spot? Happy Sober Day, friends. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic seven years from my last drink. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who lived them. Check us out at thesobrietydiaries.com for all things podcast related. And for all our video interviews, head over to youtube.com slash Nate Kelly. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. I am here with my new friend, well, kind of old friend, Mm -hmm. new friend, Courtney Anderson. She is host of the Silver Vibes podcast and community, really, which is one thing I want to talk about today is, is I feel like I'm maybe lacking a bit in in developing my listeners as a community and utilizing uh, one another to mm-hmm. to help in recovery. So, but first I always like to, to get to know my guests a little more and, and walk through your personal journey with addiction and recovery. So yeah, I'd like to, to hear more about your personal journey. Perfect. I like tangents. I go off on tangents I love it. on, I, I go <laughs> off on tangents on the Silver Vibes podcast, so I get it. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, I guess for me, really where I will jump in and share with your listeners is when I got sober, because for me, that's when my life really started. Love it. Um, And it was August 18th of 2012. Uh, That was the morning I woke up from the last time of another evening of me getting hammered. Can I swear on the show? I just want to make sure. Okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) It was another evening. It was my last evening of getting completely fucking wasted. Yes, yes, yes. And just doing what I had been doing for so many years. But on that particular morning, what was different was I had lost my cat for the second time, my rescue cat. Yes. My boyfriend, who I was living with at the time, he, you know, after kind of in the morning had settled and I came to out of, you know, my my drunken haze. Cause you know, I, I was a person who always still woke up extremely fucked up at night after drinking. Cause that's how much I drank. Yeah. yeah. And you know, when the dust kind of settled in the morning, he later on that night was just like, you know, you can continue doing this. You can continue drinking. No problem. He's like, but I'm not going to be here if that's what you decide to choose. So for three days, I had to, I was hung over kind of slash detoxing in our guest bedroom, trying to find my cat. I made a pact with the universe at this time. And I just said out loud, if I find Fiona, I will quit drinking for good. 
because I knew at 25, wow. I was gonna, I knew at 25, I was going to have to quit drinking, but it took me four years to get there. So it was 29, 29, about six weeks shy of being 30. And lo and behold, on that third day, I found Fiona. Of course, she came out underneath the neighbor's deck. Yes, I looked. We, I looked everywhere for three days. <laughs> And this poor little cat, because she's about eight pounds, and she had like spider webs in her fur, and she just looked distraught. And it was one of those things where she comes out from underneath the the deck, and she jumps up. Everything around me got silent. I I, I couldn't even hear cars of of the traffic. It all got silent. She then peed on me, which like well deserved. <laughs> First, let me show you my disapproval. Then. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she got me. She got me. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, I was like, okay, this is my, this is my moment of she's safe. I'm safe. The universe was showing me what I needed to do. And mm. I, I, I do believe that we all have that moment. Yeah. Um, you might not know it in that time. However, you will looking back, you're going to be like, oh, my God. So th that is when I quit drinking. And I, ha I haven't had a drink since August 18th of 2012. This summer, I celebrated 10 years. And yes, yes I love I love a double digit. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I just hit seven so i am wonderful yeah it's it's um my my gratitude was slipping a little mm -hmm. and i think as the years pass and you know my sober anniversary passes and i, I don't make it a point to celebrate and mm -hmm. make it a point with my online community and my running buddies and make it a big deal because it is a big deal. You know, I have to make sure that that gratitude remains and that I'm not complacent. Do you find that with as the years pass? Well, I have to say, I look, my sober anniversary has been, it. it's become, I love it more than my birthday. Same. And because of how hard it is, but I will say that when you start kind of not respecting sobriety and complacent of what you said, that is where people, it fucks with your head. Oh, yes. Be, and that's the whole thing. It's like, yes, okay, I have gone 10 years without a drink, but I can still remember that evening. And I have allowed myself to remember that last night of mm. drinking and stuff before in my uh, other evenings. I mean, that was like, a shrimp cocktail of the shit right. that I did. Yeah, I not even like the worst of the worst. Not but I even, think we just right. get to that point, right, where we yeah. know. I was I was tired. I was t tired at 29. But uh, but going back, like, that's how easy it is where people are able to relapse so quickly. Mm. Because time is such a bizarre thing. And if if you don't keep, and I did this a lot, I did this a lot, um, those first many years of sobriety, I allowed myself on Sundays to reflect back to one of my most horrendous drinking days, almost like a little meditation. Mm. Because I, I, I have, I feel that when you keep just pretending it didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen, it's like, what are you going to learn from it? It's yeah. like you, you, you have to face that head on and keep reminding yourself where you never want to be. So that's what I allowed myself. But I will say to you, when I had my son, 
I was not sleeping for five months, those first five months of his life. And I got, I completely did not do my day to day still at, you know, this point, it was after nine years sober. And I started getting a little wonky because I, I, I was taken out of a situation because of having a newborn. But I, in that moment, realized how important that was to continue to respect my sobriety and my process to keep trucking forward. Yes, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, were you always one to get the horrible, vicious hangovers? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh yes even yes. yes even some of my hangovers ended up me going into like an urgent care mm. and telling the doctor thinking I was gonna die <laughs> and like having it you know EKGs or whatever yes, and yes. he's like no I think you're okay because I would they would lead to panic attacks yeah that's the thing with that I, I got to that point as well where it was just it, my body was just crying for mm-hmm. help in mm-hmm. any way that it could panic attacks asthma attacks mm-hmm. depression you know any way that my body was just screaming out for help it tried mm-hmm. to in those last mm-hmm. few years still did it and yeah. and it would be like hangovers that would last three days and then i would be like all right cool i'm gonna go do a b and c be a productive member of society by like doing my laundry yeah, and yeah. doing a couple <laughs> errands and then i'm like oh it's time to reward myself yes. because i deserve it the reward of uh-huh. course uh-huh. always and then I would go out, drink that evening, and then repeat the same cycle over and over and over again until I was, until I stopped drinking for good. So after Fiona pissed on you, um, what <laughs> what things did you put in place as part of a routine that has now kept you sober for a decade? Uh, to be honest with you, those first two years, I white knuckled the fuck out of my yeah. uh, sobriety. You know, I what I really put into place was these two things. I woke up every day. I told myself, thank you for another day of being sober. I, I practiced that gratitude from day on, day one. Mm. And also, I just kept telling myself I'm not going to drink today. And sometimes I would have to get to the like all through the day of saying, I'm not going to drink today, like like a maniac 50 times, you know, where you keep having to say it to yourself. And then finally, it's time for bed. So I didn't have like these this structure that I do now. It was part of the process and learning journey that I had to learn for myself. Um, But, you know, I mean, for for avenues of help. I tried AA in the very beginning, like newly sober, and because of my anxiety and I had a real issue, um, my own personal thing, I was not comfortable with with the word God. I was not connected with it. Uh, I was very intimidated walking into AA, and it just did not connect with me. Um, And then after that year, then I started turning to exercise Mm. after the first year. And then I started turning to eating properly. And then that then became started getting into personal development, going back to therapy, going and hiring coaches. The therapy, (laughs) I mean, is so key for me as well. It it was like the turning point when you're just like not drinking to 
turning that corner and actually working on yourself and yes, digging in and, and realizing, for me at least, realizing what I was running from, what I was mm-hmm. hiding, what I was mm-hmm. trying to numb out. So mm-hmm. therapy was truly the, the turning point for me. Yeah, absolutely. And then I eventually went back to AA and participated in that first summer. So like, I have learned the best routine besides just like a day to day is really keep evolving in the never stop learning Mm. because that goes back to being complacent, right? Where it's just like your ego can sit there and talk to you of being like, I already know all this. I already know all this, but I will have to say of being, you know, having the time of 10 years every year in my, my sobriety and recovery, there's been something different I've had to work on. Mm. Or the you know, and even too after uh, being a new mom, I'm like, God damn, this, mo- <laughs> this, this mother is no fucking joke, <laughs> right? And then it's like, oh, that mother wound is not healed yet. Mm. So it's and it's just interesting. So I just think in in life and anybody's whether you're sober or not, like you know, because there's people out there who just don't actually want to be healthy, whether yeah. they're sober or not, they don't want to be healthy, but. What helps in the sobriety process is continually to learn, yes. keep learning and keep growing. That's a great point. You know, mm-hmm. I um, I work in HR too outside, you know, in my, in real life. Yeah. And I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, people always in an interview, of course, I say, what questions do you have for me? Mm-hmm. And I always, one of my answers that I typically provide someone is, never stop learning like we have to be better than we were the day before Mm -hmm. and whether that is just learning some quick excel shortcut or it's learning something deep about yourself it's can we be better than we were Mm -hmm. yesterday and Mm -hmm. i think that plays in perfectly to never stop learning well, yeah, because you don't know it all. You don't yeah. know, you know, and I, I still think that early sobriety is up until year five, because in year five, there's something in year five, at least I had it, where it's like I was going through a midlife crisis at 35. And Amen. then it's like five years sober. So it's just like, you know, I really have a hard time, um, you know, just with like early sobriety is definitely those five years, yeah. those first five years. Cause you have to completely, and, and I don't talk to, I don't talk to the people who, cause I get this a lot now on my sober vibes account. I don't know if you get this, the trolls have been coming out lately and it's like, listen, motherfuckers, I am not, I am not talking to people who don't have problems with alcohol. That is, that is moderation. (laughs) Yes. You know what I mean? So it's just like, so to my point is that is who I speak to of the the person who has trouble. So it's like, yeah, if you don't have any type of attachment to alcohol, because I have interviewed people before where I interviewed this one person who told me that she had an easy sobriety and I actually didn't, I never ran that interview yeah. because I was flabbergasted and I yeah. dropped, I dropped my pen when she said that. And I was like, you smug prick. Like <laughs> that is on, not the message that I'm sending on my platform. No, yeah. because I, I do understand that this is like a spectrum and everybody's relationship is with it differently. But I still think down to the end of the day, it's like 90% of people yeah. who enter into the sober, sober have an, an issue with it. 
for sure. You know, I think she, she maybe have been trying to use that as her angle to to yes. stand out or be different because that's just I mean, to your point, you smug prick. Like, <laughs> even if that is true. Yeah. Come on. Who, who are you helping by by saying that, you know? And well, that's that was the whole thing. And, you know, I, I'll never reveal who this person was or whatnot. Yeah. But then I then I had to start asking. I was like, what was your upbringing? Like, <laughs> right. no, I'm, you know, Let's I go in. Did your parents strike? No. Any type of uh, emotional trauma? No, no. I had a pretty good upbringing. I was like, OK. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll move on from her. I've had a few I've had a few episodes that I didn't air as well for the same reason. It's just mm-hmm. like, do is this the message I want to send? Exactly. Uh, one was a girl who you know we'd gone through the entire pre-show thing, and she had sent me her bio, and we did a a brief pre interview on, mm-hmm. on Zoom, and mm-hmm. she was a recovering heroin addict, and you know that clearly is is an epidemic in the country and Mm -hmm. so hard so so hard but we get to the end of the interview and you know we're talking about like how life is now and how things have changed and you know she said that um she likes to relax in the evenings with a glass of wine from time to time and Mm. just like girl Mm -hmm. and i could have cut that part out and just left it as recovering from heroin but i i couldn't like consciously yeah, it didn't feel right in your Do soul. That. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. So that one, that one didn't see the light of day. Mm-mm. Since then, sometimes they just don't, and that is yeah. okay. Yeah, because you got to stay true to you. That's, and like that's exactly you, right. You provide on this platform, and you know better than anyone who your listeners are. Yeah, that's so, a yeah. great. Great segue to the Sober Vibes community. Uh, I was I was perusing your website, and there are um, ways that uh, listeners or or supporters can work with you, and and there are different ways to kind of join this beautiful online recovery world that you and I are both a part of. Mm-hmm. So, how did that community start to develop? So I actually, Sober Vibes came out of the summer I went in to when I participated in AA. And that was year, I believe that was year four. I believe that was year four. I think that was 2016. Um, So I sat and I sat at a woman's table and I have always been a, a listener. Yeah. And a observer. And I sat and I listened Um, because you can sit at a table and actually not listen to people, (laughs) (laughs) but I sat and I, I sat and I listened and I was listening to women wanting more. And during that time, I was like, even for myself, I was like, there's gotta be more. And the online groups that I were a part of at that time, I'll never forget this. I went through, um, you know, six years of, of trying to conceive my son. And I remember speaking in this Facebook group on a post and I dropped an F-bomb. And then this old troll said to me that she, Fuck. she <laughs> said, that's why you shouldn't be a mom because of your, your swearing. Oh. And I was like, Fuck this. Oh, I'm not going to be a. Right. Because I'm not going to surround myself with a bunch of miserable addicts Mm. and alcoholics. Come on. Right. So 
this all happened all around the same time and including myself, I was like, I need something more. You know, I've always been a pretty optimistic person and I've always seen the world a little bit, you know, in in just a different light of just seeing that there's, you know, a little bit more happiness because I do think happiness is a choice. And I wanted that for sobriety and recovery and sitting there listening. I was like, this shit can't be all doom and gloom all the time, man. Right. We didn't didn't just get sober to sit here and then rehash stories, having a pissy match of like who had the (laughs) worst rock bottom and still living in that. So in that summer, I started doing these meetups with women that I knew in AA called, I I started it and it was called the Sober Social Club. And we met up like once a a month for about three, four months. And then it kind of just got hard with schedules. And then that transitioned within that to transition into Sober Vibes and creating more of the online community and making it more empowering, supporting, really meeting people with where they're at in their journeys, because nobody is on the same path here. There's people who relapse every day. So should you kick them, kick them to the curb because they had a bump in their road? Absolutely not. So really supporting and empowering you in your journey. One of the biggest hurdles in starting a podcast can be the overwhelming thought of all of the technology. Let me tell you, don't let it stop you especially in the beautiful online recovery space, we could really save lives. So if you have a message that you want to share and a story that you want to tell, the Podcast Host Academy can help you get there. Inside the Podcast Host Academy, you'll find courses on everything from equipment, software and editing, to presentation skills and vocal warm-ups. Click the link in today's show notes for an additional 15% off your subscription to the Podcast Host Academy and Alitu.com. That is Alitu, A-L-I-T-U dot com. You have some other resources on, on the web as well. What about the Sober Mindset miniseries? Uh, that is, I did a uh, free workshop series, and it's really just all about the mindset. Because what I have learned too, uh, not only in mine, but but helping people with coaching them, there's a real limiting belief that people have. And anybody can stop drinking alcohol, right? And, and getting sober and whatnot. But it's pushing past those limiting beliefs of that you do deserve more. That you're not just, this isn't just who you are. This is not just like, oh, well, that's just me. Fuck it. Let's continue drinking. It's like, no, why do you feel that way? Or why? And it goes back to ego work too. It's like, well, why do you feel like you can control it when all that happens is you just keep going back to the same spot? Like, Mm -hmm. what about that is there? So those workshops really kind of dive in and to there's one in there. Cause as I said, there's two, but the, it works too on like the whole sober is not boring. Like people think when they enter in sobriety, that it's just going to be a snooze fest. <laughs> right. <laughs> when, and, and, and I did too, I was terrified. I did too. And then looking back, was I actually having fun? No. I, but the, I mean, there was a portion of time when it was still fun and yeah. party like, but without fail, it turns into misery. Uh, for me, at least, it was it got to the point where it was misery drinking, as I like mm-hmm. to call it. 
Um, but yes, of course, never had more fun in my life since I've gotten sober. Yeah. And here's the thing. It takes some time. Of and course. that's a mindset that you're yes. stuck in because you are continuing being like, I can't have this. I can't have this. I can't have this. It's like, well, if you keep telling yourself you can't, then obviously you're going to be stuck in a, uh, a sober or a boring mindset. And then here's another thing. It's not it's boring to you because you are not chasing chaos anymore. Mm. I cannot say that enough. So, so many true. People, so many people have been born into chaotic situations, whatever the case may be. God, Our, that's so true. Majority of people have a lot of emotional trauma. Trauma is trauma. However, however, which way of the spectrum it goes for you. But when you're used to living in a chaotic environment, you feel comfortable in that you could actually even switch from living into a, a chaotic work environment and then entering in a chaotic or a living environment, entering into a chaotic work environment. Hmm. So your nervous system is fucked up all the time. Yes. So what happens is when you get sober, you're stopping the cycle. It doesn't feel normal to you because you're not going on an apologies tour. <laughs> you're not sitting there for three days vomiting on yourself, wondering, wondering who you need to go say sorry to. What did you do? Who did you text? Who did you have sex with? Where is your car? A, B, C, all of the above, all of the above. You know what I mean? So it's just like, and then your body gets back to normal. So like that boringness really comes out because it's like, it's an uncomfortable feeling because you are not chasing the chaos anymore. It factors into that self-sabotage mentality Uh as well Uh when things do quiet down and you Uh have this sense of calmness Uh and contentment and Uh those thoughts start how can i fuck shit up what can i go fuck up today you know that self-sabotage mentality Uh and then it goes back to the mindset of why do you think that you're not good enough to live chaos free and mm. and live in a, a a state of calm being yeah you know i i'm not i'm not naive to it where i know this is this takes a lot of work takes right. a lot of work and if there is one thing i can su- suggest to anybody it's meditate as soon as possible don't, don't sooner that practice comes into your life the better you will be in the long run but and that really, really helps because I was a person who chased a lot of chaos. <laughs> Same, for sure. I was that self saboteur. Yes. Always, always. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So those mindsets are those workshops really, really go with the whole mindset shifting because it is a mindset shift if you oh, decide. Yeah. If you decide to start working on it. You mentioned meditation. What other mm-hmm. tangible resources or takeaways would you suggest to listeners? Um, meditation for sure. And uh, I'm going to share, you're never going to, your brain is never going to be quiet. That is when you're dead. Okay. So like, cause I think people <laughs> yeah. have this, like, they think that you have to sit there in complete silence. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But if you can sit there for five minutes, if you're a beginner, sit there for five minutes, there's tons of meditations, free ones on, on YouTube, then move yourself up to 10 minutes. There are so many apps nowadays too, that, um, endless apps endless i <laughs> i the headspace one i mean shit they even have headspace now on netflix that you can sit there and no just way. put it yes i didn't have, know this yes so and there's one too they just came out with i think it's supposed to help you sleep and then um 
it's calm. So then calm. Mm, yeah, yeah. So you can start for free because that headspace and the calm you have to pay for after like a 10 day free trial or something. So, but YouTube, it, it's, it, it's free. Yes. Um, another thing, gratitude, the sooner you start living in gratitude, that is going to rewire your brain as well to start shifting your perspective. I mean, I can't even tell you now how many times I have legit cried on like, if my husband and I have gone somewhere just to eat on like a Saturday, beautiful afternoon where I'm like, Oh, it feels so nice not to be hung over. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. And this is yeah. 10 years later. Like you, you have to look for small little wins it's going to keep adding, adding up. And that's another thing that you can do for free. Another one that I have worked. So I, I have to say it's probably my, those are probably my top three, like great ones. Tools. Yeah. The third one is personal development. And the, and here's the thing, cause I'm, I'm writing a book. I have two more days and I have to turn it in. Wow. I, I am a fan of Quitlet. However, you need to be reading something more than that because there's other avenues in your life you have to start working on besides just the act of quitting drinking. And I have been like that since day one. I probably only read like one to two Quitlet books a a year since I've quit drinking. Like I, I I don't sit there and binge it. Yeah. Because what happens to you at the end of the day and I've said this on my podcast and I'm going to say it on your podcast. Stop listening to 25 sober podcasts. <laughs> yes. Stop reading five quit lick books in a day. Yes. Stop it. Because Stop going to 25 meetings in a day because <laughs> what is going to happen is at the end of the day, you are going to be so fucking burnt out because then you have to deal with your own shit. Right. And then that leads into what I have always called the recovery burnout. It will mm-hmm. lead you into a burnout and overwhelm. And then you're going to be like, well, Nate said this, but Courtney said this. Yes. What do I do? You know, that's I just I just find it very important nowadays because since everything is so accessible and you have these options, which is so wonderful, you have to protect your energy and not overwhelm yourself because overwhelm is very easy in this process and we are alcoholics after all so it's like yes more 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 more. yeah and then that's a great point about the the um uh sort of exhaustion recovery exhaustion but it's Mm -hmm. also like do we want to be well-rounded you know, if yeah. you're going to the gym to work on your fitness, are you only, are you only doing biceps every day? No, you mm-hmm. want to sort of work on a bit of everything. And this, mm-hmm. my recovery and, and sobriety is not the only aspect of my personality. Mm-hmm. We're the only thing that I want to learn about or work on or become become better with or stronger with. So yes. yeah, couldn't agree more. 100%. That's why I waited too. Like with the coaching aspect, I waited. I waited until I was 60, 6ish years sober after 6, 7 years because I was like I need I need to work on me. And it like started coming up in year 3 and I was like no, no, I still want to work on me. Like I'm not ready to take on others. Smart. You know, like there's stuff that I have to work on and and I don't want to you know, I don't admit I, I want that. I wanted that for me and I protected that. Very smart. Mm-hmm. So tell us about the book. Is it more of a memoir style or self-help or both or what can we expect? 
So it's coaching a person through their first 90 days of sobriety. Amazing. Um, there is stuff that I've put in, you know, a little bit about me. Um, I really, when uh, talking with my editor, we went back and forth because I just don't feel like there's enough of this of, you know, in the book, there's also going to be, it's, it's a book and a workbook. So it has pages for you. I give you homework to do. Love that. <laughs> but it's really because that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I'm sure you hear this too. It's like, how do I, you get the question, how do you did you stay sober? How do I stay sober? How do I stop this? I give you homework where we're, we're getting down into that, where you're going to get deep and give you suggestions of ways to support. Like I'm almost like your Google and one in this one book, like, honestly, because Perfect. I have that too. It's like, it's like, well, how do I start off with getting sober? It's like, okay, well, first you talk to a doctor. Yeah. Uh, cause you need to, when it comes to detox, cause alcohol can, is deadly. Yes. yes. It's deadly to detox. And then once you get, get that settled, uh, then you stop drinking one day at a time mm-hmm. because I feel like there are people want this like magical answer and it, there's not, it's, it's, it's being gentle. There's so much you have yeah, to be yeah. gentle with yourself and you have to know that this is a process that your day seven is not going to look like Dally, Sally's day seven. Yeah. Sally might be riding the pink cloud that you never experienced. Did yes. you experience the pink cloud? I didn't. I did. Yes. Oh, bless you. Yeah, how was, I did. How was it? It, it was really good. It was pink <laughs> and cloudy. No, I think I did. Yeah. For three or four months at least. Oh, yeah. man. It, it was nice. Yeah. But then it's like... It, it almost is this, um, which I say a lot of times about uh, inpatient treatment as well. It's almost like this false sense of security where, yeah. you know, you're protected. On, on, you're inside these four walls. And now mm-hmm. the true test is, because I did go to inpatient treatment as well, the true test, you know, h- how do you take this information and use it in the real world? And you know, I lived alone as well when I left inpatient treatment. So, Mm -hmm. you know, going home and and when nobody's looking, would anyone know? Um, So it it was definitely, I embraced it because, um, you know, I was working a a AA program too at the time. So, you know, it's embrace the pink cloud. So I did. Uh, But then it it was sort of like, um, you know how when you get home from vacation, there's like Mm -hmm. this after vacation depression sort of Mm -hmm. where it's like back to the real world. That's Mm -hmm. what it felt like after the pink cloud, but intense. Yeah. But and then that's the thing, too. Then it's just like and then but then people think like, well, what the fuck is wrong with me? And that's Mm -hmm. the whole thing. Nothing's wrong with you. Again, you cannot compare your journey to Sally's like you you just you cannot. And and but what but what we all need to do as a community together and anybody who has gone through the recovery process is to support one another, no matter how you got there, no matter what avenue you, you use just to support and know that it is hard. So if you do have a relapse or a bump in the road, it's okay. But like, you know, it's time to get back on. So what's the book called? When can we find it? Where can we find it? So I don't have it. We don't have a title confirmed yet. Okay. okay? But Working Sober title. Vibes. Yeah. So so we're still in the process of the title. And 
the uh, cover, but it will be out if all things go right. Cause I was, I was sent an outline of from, from when I turned my book in and then there's a whole process. So we are looking at July 25th of 2023 and you'll be okay. able to find it on Amazon. And then I think Barnes and Nobles. And then of course I'll have it on my website. Courtney, what are some parting words for our listeners who may still be struggling? Oh, this, I get choked up all the time because this does come to a thing. And, you know, I had actually somebody send me a really kind email before I jumped on this, this podcast. Yeah. And this, I know you can relate to this because this is why people continue to speak about this and continue to have shows and social media followings of with the community of sobriety and recovery. If you are struggling out there, just, just you're, you're worth the fight. You're worth the fight. And that's what it has to cut. You have to believe so deep in your soul that you are worth it and that it will get better, mm. you know, and, and there's people around there who love you and reach out. And even if it's to Nate or myself on, on social media, send an email, there's always somebody willing to sit there and listen to you and be an ear and just, just know that you're worth it. Well said. Thank you. Courtney Anderson, host of the Sober Vibes podcast and my new friend. Yes. Thank you so much for your time today. It was so fun. Thank you for having me on. And then we're going to have you on the Sober Vibes podcast in 2023. Yay. Yes. Thank you so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check today's show notes for all the information discussed in the episode and how to connect with our guest. And as always, check us out at thesobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, and on Instagram at the Sobriety Diaries Pod. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show, friends. It truly helps other people to find the show, and in turn, we can help more people. Until next Wednesday, try your best not to drink and be good to yourselves. Bye, everyone.